Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to the Football Digest podcast. Today we have a very special edition as we celebrate in a lot of ways Wrexham's promotion back to the Football League after 15 years and we have big Wrexham fan Andy Gilpin here also works for the Daily Star and to be honest I'm surprised you you look not hungover and uh, that's oh. the first thing I'd say but what's your feelings after promotion this weekend how, how do you feel right now uh, I, I mean I do feel hungover so you know it, it, it is it's great you think I'm uh, I'm wide-eyed and bushy-tailed because I'm not um a lot of pints were, were sunk on Saturday night the middle of town was an absolute mess um there was drinking in the streets which not strictly you're allowed to do but i think the police uh the police sort of called it off quite quite well um there was just an outpouring of emotion when the final whistle went but i think it's just been the end of a very very long roller coaster now a roller coaster that mostly gone down for 15 years but in the last couple of years since these two guys got involved has steeply gone, gone upwards. And what a trajectory we're on. We're just excited to see where, where this could actually go because it was always the most difficult to get out of non-league. Now we're out of non-league. You've got to hope that maybe we can push on a little bit more. Why not? I mean, I remember watching the Notts County game just, I think it was last week, another weekend before, and, and that was a, a game of emotions. And even at the weekend, it wasn't necessarily easy. 1-0 down in the first minute, and you're thinking, oh, they're going to blow it on there. How do you feel the way that you've done it and then the amount of points you picked up, but also the fact that it's been just so dramatic? Would you kind of have had it any other way? Because it would almost be not boring, but if you finish with 110 points or whatever, we're gonna, you're going to finish on the season and you are 30 points clear, there wouldn't have been the, the same buzz around it. Whereas the, the race that you were not counting your pad and the fixture that you played the other week where you won 3-2 in such dramatic circumstances, it must feel in a lot of ways like it's been the perfect way to get out of the National League? Yeah, yeah um, I'll be honest, yes. It, it, yeah. Uh, part of me is really glad that, that Notts County pushed us so, so, so close. And what a team they are, by the way. Fan, fantastic, uh, fantastic uh, story there. Um, but <laughs> it's a cliche to say it's a sort of Hollywood script. And you know what? If people say that, um, just generally, I'm, 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 I'd say my nose up it a little bit because I've just heard that so many times before. But every time you think, you think that nothing could really top the last, the last week, something comes along. And you mentioned the county match. I mean, what a, what a great advertisement for, for, for non-league football. And then even, even, uh, even on Saturday, you know, you, you're right. We went behind after 60 seconds. And it seemed like there was another sort of part to this script, the cliche that I hate so much. But no one panicked. Uh, I, all the people around me just thought, no, this is our time. We're going to do it. And we did. We absolutely stepped it up when we, when we needed to. And can I just say a word about, uh, about Paul Mullin? Um, there's, it was so fitting that he scored the two goals to eventually take us up because there's no one who epitomizes the new look Wrexham more than him. Um, the way he conducts himself on the field, the way he conducts himself off the field, he's a fantastic advert for our club. A lot of people were raising their eyebrows when he came down because he could have been a, a League One, maybe even a bottom of the championship sort of player. But I think he's proved everyone that he, to everyone that he's made the right decision because 
He's loved at our club. He scored a hatful of goals and really he's gelled with us as a, as a community and we've really taken to him. So, you know, thanks Ryan and Rob, but thank, thanks, thanks Paul Mullin as well. And, you know, we talked about Ryan and Rob there. We may as well talk about what the owners have done since they've came in. I think a lot of fans became familiar with them through the, the documentary that came out, I think earlier this season, I think it was right at the start of the season that came out. Um, what have they done since they've come in? Like for you as a, a fan locally, but also kind of internationally, Wrexham are well and truly on the map at the minute. I mean, we know from, you know, even working at a company like ours that anything that has the words Wrexham in it is flying at the minute in terms of viewership. So what have they done for this football club? Yeah, you're right. I think it is two levels. Uh, they've been really, really hot on the community aspect. I'm bought into that. Uh, they're not going around like big time Charlies. They'll come in. They'll they'll meet people. They'll sign autographs for 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 minutes. You know, so sorry for hours. Uh, but they'll spend minutes with people, and they don't have to. I mean, I, there was a couple of instances with Ryan on Saturday where he was seeking out people in the crowd who who had contacted him because yeah, you know, there was a, a fella up from South Wales who had terminal cancer, and he's he Ryan spent some time with him and gave him a prop from the dead. Ted Poole film, you mean? He doesn't need to do things like that, but he does because he's bought into it. Same with Rob. Rob was the driving force for this at the beginning, uh, but I think Ryan has really, really, really taken it to his heart. I, I think I sort of sensed the moment where it where it flipped for, for, for Ryan from being less, you know, just like a business transaction to being something he's absolutely he's absolutely invested in was the, the Dover game. So um, last season, we were 5-2 down to Dover with about half an hour left. And I think Reynolds had actually actually turned it off. But then we got a goal back. He turned it back on. He got really into it. You know, you know what it's like with football fans? Just there's something that really, really flips a switch. And, and you're absolutely hooked on the season or the team or, or everything. And actually, the, the next game after that, he got a private jet over just to watch it. And we've all done silly things like that, haven't we? I watched the game and thought, right, I'm going to go to Torquay away on Saturday now. Now, his is a little bit different because he got a, he got a private jet and flew in from from New York. But, you know, you still do that that grand gesture for your team just because something, something's triggered in you for, for a season. And I think that's where the bug really got, got Ryan. Um, Rob has been brilliant as well. Absolutely. You know, the, the good thing about these guys is they're not Hollywood royalty. They're not born with a silver spoon in their mouth. They're both self-made men. Uh, Rob especially, you could see in the documentary where he grew up in Philadelphia. And, you know, they've they've been able to sort of funnel that into, into the club, uh, into the town as well. And, you know, they're not big-time Charlies. They're, they're about and they're with us. And it was great to see them celebrate and shed a tear with, with all of us on Saturday. You have to think with Ryan Reynolds, there must be something dark behind him because he's such a perfect man, isn't he? I hope not. <laughs> a good actor, a good looking man. You know, he just seems the most loveliest human in the world. Um, and yeah, as you said, since I've came into Wrexham, it's just been all of magic. I mean, certainly from afar, I mean, I'm not a Wrexham fan, but from afar, I've been keeping tabs on it this season, you know, and I've been a general football fan generally don't have any interest really in the National League because none of the teams I follow have ever been at that level. But they have caught the imagination. I mean, even on Saturday night, I make a point to watch the Wrexham game and that never, ever happened. So it seems to me like 
they've kind of caught the imagination of almost everyone. And and that must be so strange being a Wrexham fan because you are probably the biggest club in the National League, or certainly, you know, with Notts County, there's there's yeah. two or three in there that are big. Uh, well. Probably yeah. in my head, Wrexham should be in League One. That's kind of where I see them as a club, that that kind of level, League One pushing at the championship. Um how crazy is it though that there is such a spotlight on this club now that was, you know, known for the well, the guy who always he's always a meme. I can't remember his name. He's always a meme and he's always got his pipe. Like yeah, that's kind of what Wrexham were known for a couple of years ago. And now it's it's so much bigger than that. I mean, how does that feel as a fan that the spotlight has just changed so much on this club? I mean, Ryan and Robin masters of PR. You can tell that straight away. They won the PR war before he even started. You know, even before they took over the club, they were making little donations here and there. I mean, they paid for a Wrexham fan to have his, his bathroom redone so he could easily access the bath. Just little things like that, you know. And, and they're, they're not announcing it in a, in a press release. They're, they're just making the donation and things come out sort of naturally. So they're very good at PR. They've done it at a community level, but then they've done it at a global level. And the documentary was always part of their plan. Um, and I was, I was a bit worried about it. I'll be honest. I, I just didn't want want it to make fun of the town or sort of look at these idiots as we we do this this all that. And it had it, it didn't do that. It captured it captured the best part of us. Um, and I think that's why it's had such such global appeal. I mean, you know, we keep saying there's so many Americans across at, at the ground now and in the turf pub, which is which is next to it. But I think. That, that documentary is, has given them a different story to what they're used to. I mean, American sports, their players are untouchable. They live in big houses. They earn millions and millions. There isn't like I would say a working class sort of sporting hero. But, you know, when you see Rob Layton, who's our goalkeeper, replastering his, his bedroom as after, after a shift, you know, these... It looks it looks accessible to these Americans, and it looks real, and I think that's why they've sort of bought into it. And I think Rob and Ryan been very clever to make that sort of documentary rather than a, rather than it is the football. You know, there is elements of the football, but it's not really about that. It's about the town. It's about the players. It's about the fans. And I, when I first saw the saw the first few episodes, I thought, oh, you know what, we could have a hit here because this is giving. Americans and North Americans, something something different. But even I couldn't really gauge the the absolute mass appeal that that documentary has brought brought to Wrexham. Now, just sort of going back on on that bit. Now, a lot of people sort of ask you, are you annoyed with the new fans? You know, they're coming over here. They they they've, they've got access to tickets that maybe a long time Wrexham fan have were able to get. Um, and but the thing is, what I think is, I've spent the last thirty years trying to get people in, interested in Wrexham, trying to get my mates over, trying to you know get them to buy into it and say, look, this is a viable alternative to Premier League football. It's a lot, it's a it's a lot cheaper, and you feel a part of it. If they have a win, I mean, I know it's a bit different for you being a Sunderland fan, but say that a lot of Liverpool fans up and down the North Wales coast sort of watching watching the game and then dancing down the streets. Ah, oh, we've done it. You know what I mean, you sort of ask. How much were you really a part of that? Uh, but every Wrexham win, especially because it it's an old fans at home club, you do feel a part of it. And that's what makes this all doubly special. So 
what do you make of, I mean, we'll switch now to Phil Parkinson. I mean, you mentioned that I was a Sunderland fan there. So, you know, I've got a few views. Yeah, I've got a few views on Phil Parkinson. I actually worked with Phil Parkinson when I was at Sunderland. I used to work for Sunderland. So I actually know him quite well and he's a nice enough bloke. Um, but he didn't do particularly well at Sunderland. I think Sunderland was the last job he had before Wrexham. So in a lot of ways, when you watch the documentary, I thought it was interesting to see that, you know, you were trying to attract a manager who had League One championship, you know, credibility, really. He'd, he's been at those levels. And even when he dropped to League Two at Bradford, Bradford are by far the biggest team in League Two. So he was, when he dropped to that level, he was going to the biggest club. How surprised were you that Phil Parkinson came in the first place? It sounded like he needed a lot of convincing, to be honest. But also, how do you review his performance overall as Wrexham manager? Right. So I think the documentary sort of shows how much how much uh, work Rob McElhenney had to do to get Phil Parkinson over in the first place. Um, I, I suppose Phil would look at it and go, do I really want to become a non-league manager? What if I fail at Wrexham? Where did I go after that? And I can understand that. You know, he's a guy who's a league, a league one, a steady league one manager. So what is in it for him to to, to, to drop down to non-league, which is not a place he's never played or, or managed? So I, I get that. But then I think really Phil was sold a dream of what we could do. And I think it's gotten easier and easier to do that since the documentary. Now, you know, you wouldn't have thought we'd have got Ben Foster out of retirement, but he saw he saw the way the club was going, the way it was run, both on the field, off the field, and, and the PR way around it as well, and thought he wanted to be a part of it. And I could Phil was the first piece of that. If you can sort of show that you've got a you've got a good experienced manager. Now, you know, I've always sort of said, I've said this a few times, um, I did wonder if the owners were making a documentary or buying a football club when when this all sort of got announced. And I think really and truly the appointment of Phil Parkinson showed to me that they're actually buying a football club because there was a lot more box office names you could have gone gone for. You know, you could have tried to tempt Roy Key. You could have made that sort of documentary where where you've got a big personality coming in to, to run the club. They didn't. They went for Phil Parkinson, who quietly behind the scenes got on with it. Now, a lot of people were calling for his head about 18 months ago, you sort of talk about the football. He wasn't great. Um, he came in quite late into into the summer transfer window, so wasn't able to get his targets. And I, as you know, Phil has a very sort of set way to play. He likes a 3-5-2. He likes a, you know, someone who can hold the ball up. He didn't have any of that. He was playing, you know, wingers at, at, at left wing full back. You know, he didn't really have a target man at all. And things were really tough for him. Um, and that coupled with the style of play meant that a lot of fans had had the knives out for him. I, mean, I can remember losing away at Torquay 1-0, and I was furious when I did the podcast the next the next day. I I, I was really questioning whether this this was was the fella to his forward. I mean, the good thing the good thing was that Phil Phil managed to get a couple more transfer windows, and then he was able to bring in the players that he needed. And I think that sort of steadied the ship and you could also s- sort of see his long-term plan. And I, so I think the signing of, of Oli Palmer especially galvanized us and put us, pull it all together because he was the big man up front who could batter the center arse. And honestly, in non-league, you do need, you do need a, a battering ram up front. Um, but he allowed us to play a little bit more 
Before that, it was all about Paul Mullin. And if you could mark Paul Mullin out of the game, there wasn't really much of a threat. But then now he had to deal with Palmer and Mullin could pick up the, pick up the, uh, the scraps. And it just, it, it just, that signing, another, another wing back, that sort of transformed our season. And since this second part, the second, sorry, the January transfer window last season, our points total has been insane, culminating in this 110, maybe you know, 113 points um, this season. But go back to your original question. There were doubts about Parkinson, but he proved us all wrong. And I'm happy for him because I think that the documentary was a real good sort of revitalization for him. I think fans could really see what he was about, how passionate he was, and how he tried to make everything simple for the players. And that documentary was like the rebirth of, of uh, Parky. And we used to say Parky Ball, and it was like a, it was like an insult. Oh, we're playing Parky Boys today. But now we sort of say Parky Ball, and it's it's after a our fifth goal of the, of, of the afternoon after like a you know a twelve man move. It's 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 a it's a bit tongue in cheek now. Do you think that, you know, Phil Parkinson, because he's managed at much higher levels than even League Two, do you think that means that, you know, he will be... So if you look at the way Luton went up the leagues a few years ago, they did change managers, um, yeah. you know, that they did have changes throughout that, and they've even changed now, and the project's kind of just continued on and on and on, and they've done that in spite of the change of managers. Whereas to me, Phil Parkinson, because he's managed at higher levels, it feels like he is probably going to be in this for like the long haul. I, I don't see a reason why A, because of his age as a coach, he must be mid to late 50s. He's yeah. not going to be necessarily picked up by a bigger club again because he's been yeah. there, done that. Um, and it, it seems logical that he would stick this project through, provided obviously the results were okay. Do you think that Phil Parkinson is the guy who's going to lead Wrexham for the next you know, two to four years? Um, yes, I'd say short term, two to three years, definitely, because he's got a team that is actually used to winning and we've not been able to say that about Wrexham for, for over a decade. So, you know, a team, they're pretty relentless and in the way that they sort of get results, even if they go behind like they did on Saturday, they do find a way to win. Now, I sort of see it that Phil Parkinson is is a player, uh, sorry, is a manager who can who could probably get us out of League Two. Now, I, as you sort of said earlier, I think Wrexham maybe even before the takeover could have been a steady League One club. Uh, more buy-in from the supporters, yeah, yeah, they they could have been a club mid-table League One. Um, I still sort of think that even though we've got all this sort of money now, Hollywood cash, there's still a natural sort of ceiling for Wrexham. Um, because once you get to the top reaches of of League One, you're up against your, your Sheffield Wednesdays, and maybe even Ryan and Rob's money doesn't really mean that much against a club like that. And I do sort of think if you're not stagnating there, but if you need the next push, do you go for a more innovative coach, someone who can make a little bit more of the plays that, that are at their disposal? And that's not disparaging Phil Parkinson because he came in, he took over a club that was used to losing and made it made us winners made it everything simple for the players and the fans. And, you know, he's he's bought into the to the Wrexham ethos as well. So I say that with a sort of heavy heart, but then I do sort of think, as you're right, he's he's mid-50s. He's very he's very stayed in his in his formation. 
And I'm just thinking, if you looked at someone like, I don't know, Luke Williams at Notts County, who changes everything tactically three or four times during a game, can buy a player and, and coach him to be an even better player, would Wrexham be looking for a coach in that mould once they sort of hit their natural peak in League One to try and push us into the championship? Um, it depends. You know, Parky might, might get the next two transfer windows right. We could go through League Two. We could give it a good, good go in League One. And if so, I, so, there's no reason to change him because he's, you know, he's really, he's really impressed us in the last eighteen months. But if they do sort of find that level, if they do get to League One and they need something to push us over the edge, I wonder if we may look to a, a, a more dynamic and younger coach. Do you think? I mean, kind of touched that a little bit there. But do you think there's concern? Any concerns with the ownership? I mean. From the outside looking in, you know, one concern I would have is is obviously that they love Wrexham and they're, they're loving this experience, but they don't have any actual, you know, I don't want to say football experience, but it's it's like it's ingrained if you've been a football fan forever and you know so much about the game, whereas they, you know, could react very badly, say, you know, if next season you're sat in 12th and they think they should be going up because of the money they've spent. Yeah. And they could maybe make decisions that are not, not, I say not normal, but maybe kind of decisions that are are made in passion. Almost. Yes, I, mean, I think a lot of football players do that as well. But do you think there is any any issues or concerns that you can see? I mean, the other thing as well is is what happens if results start going bad. They've had to deal with very little criticism, if any, since they've came in. What happens if criticism begins? As it happens with clubs, you know, say you you're in the bottom five next season after ten games, you know. Are you concerned about how Wrexham deals with its first rough patch? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like we're we're this season, especially we're used to winning, and a lot of the new fans uh, are used to only success. But I would sort of caveat that with last season. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of money then and managed to lose five four to Grimsby in the playoffs and lose the FA Trophy final in front of David Beckham. Um, Jason Sadukis, Game of Thrones, you know, Will Ferrell, you know, it, it can go wrong and they know it can go wrong. I think the good thing about Robin Ryan is they always say, we don't know anything about football and they've got an experienced people, uh, football people to run the club for them. And so they're, they're involved in each, in most of the big decisions, but it's not them making, calling the big shots. They'll, they'll heavily rely on the likes of Sean Harvey, who's former former league um, chief executive and, and also had stints at Bradford and, and Leeds and Fleur Robinson's from Burton was the uh, commercial director there. And so, you know, they, they will sort of let them get on with the day-to-day running of the club. And I think they are quite aware because we have had some setbacks, as I, as I just explained, that, you know, not everything will be rosy. I think uh, Humphrey Carr, who's one of the... Um, one of the advisors to the board and sort of was quite instrumental in getting Rob involved in this in the first place said, you're always going to be aware that while you're a hero one week, next week, someone could be calling you something a little bit, you're always like a one week away from being called something a little bit uh, more agricultural, shall we, shall we put it? I, I don't want to say the exact quote here because uh, it's a family friendly uh, show. So I think they are aware that things won't always be rosy, uh, that there won't always be an upward trajectory. 
But, you know, they say they're in it for the, for the long run. So like Ryan Reynolds in a, in a boardroom board meeting in LA, yeah, a Wrexham board meeting in LA with Ryan Reynolds. It's, it's nuts, isn't it? Um, said that he wanted to do this for the next 40 years, that he's enjoyed it that much. So, you know, if you are thinking that long term, a few setbacks shouldn't really, shouldn't really de- derail you. And just one other thing, I mean, Rob and Ryan are very famous people and they're used to a lot of criticism. You only need, you know, two words, Green Lantern. Awful, awful film. Ryan admits it himself, but you know you, you do get a bit of criticism for 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 what you do in your in your day job, and I'm I'm sure that it's all like water off a duck's back to them. Do you worry about? I saw Ryan Reynolds was linked with Ryan and NHL team, so I think it was the Ottawa Senators uh, of the NHL. Do you worry about? Like that, if Ryan Reynolds has thought, oh, this sport thing is actually really good and really fun and I'm, I'm say, making money off it. Do you worry that maybe if he gets interested in other, you know, prospective sports teams, that that could diminish what he's doing at Wrexham? Or do you think it'll just enhance it in a way? Because then you'll be attracting more fans who might be fans of the Ottawa Center as you go, oh, I want to follow Wrexham as well because they're linked. Do you worry about that? Um, you spun it quite well there. I mean, I, when that, when that did come out, I was I, part of me did going, oh no. I mean, oh, we want you to just be involved, involved with us. And I still sort of feel see feel that when I when I see the links with him and the senators. But I think he's part of a consortium there, and you know he's great at marketing. And he's got a marketing company, and if he thinks he can help market the Ottawa Senators more, um, you know, good luck to him. Um, you're right. There, there could be there could be better link ups between between us and us and Wrexham. But you know, if he's part of a consortium, it's a little bit different from what he is now, which is an owner with one other person of, of a football of a football club, which you know I think has actually, you know, it has his his heartstrings, and you know it's it could be his first love. So even if he does take on the Senators, it's a completely different sport. Played at different times. I'm still sure we'll see a lot of Ryan Reynolds knocking about the turf and and crying at the end of uh, matches against uh, against Boreham Wood. Do you think, as well, looking ahead to next season, how often do you think they'll be over? You know, coming to games. I mean, how often have they actually been there this season? Then that's a genuine question. I don't know. I see them there when they're there, but I don't know. Are they coming to games in February on a Tuesday night? I, I don't actually know. <laughs> How often are you actually seeing them around? And do you think next season you'll see them around more? I mean, you'd think opening day of the season, that game's probably going to be on Sky Sports. No matter who it's against, that will be on Sky Sports. The first home game, if it's not the first game of the season, you would also think that's probably going to be televised and they'd probably be there. But do you think they'll be here more next year? And how much have they been around this year? Can they do it on a cold Tuesday night against Yeovil? Uh Well, yes, and they did because Rob... Rob was over with all his uh, always sunny uh, cast. Um, so I think at different times they've probably been about five, six, seven games this season, which you know isn't bad considering the amount of flying that they have to do to get here. So for example, Ryan was over for the York game a couple of a couple, about five or six weeks ago. Then he came back for the Notts County game. Then he flew back and then came back for the for the uh, Boring Wood game. So he's pretty committed to to coming over here. Um, 
Rob sometimes comes back. Um, yeah, the few times he's come back and he's gone to the pub rather than rather than you know just the game. So there is a there is a a natural commitment there. Um, I think what they will do next year. I mean, they've still got another documentary to make. So you know, one of the major selling points of that documentary is they're in it. So you know, it's it's there is a certain amount they need to be seen in and around Wrexham. So there's not just that contractual thing. I think they actually do quite enjoy it as well um, because you can see the sort of the bromance between the pair and that is something that something that you don't particularly want to give up anytime soon, I don't think. So we'll finish oh. off um, with two things. I mean, first thing, what's been the worst moment in the last 15 years since you were rele- I think you were relegated in 2008 weren't you so oh. since relegation what's been the most like oh we are a non-league club and this is horrendous oh. and then after that I'm also going to ask you best moment of the past season so you'll ha- you'll end on a positive but what's, what's been the worst moment in the last 15 years supporting Wrexham uh, there has been so many bad moments supporting Wrexham um, I keep trotting this out but there's just seemed to be bad luck around the corner all the time we, we got a good manager in in, in uh, Dean Keats, and then he got offered another job at a key part of the season, so we didn't go promoted. Um, we got another good manager in Sam Ricketts, and then he got offered another job at a key part of the season, and so we didn't go up. And it just we just felt a little a little bit cursed um, in 2011 um, due to mismanagement. Uh, we needed to find a 250,000 pound bond to even play in the league, and there's that that sort of that story of people bringing their house deeds and. And, you know, Robbie Savage put a lot of money in and people were just emptying their piggy banks, bringing it to the turf, putting it all together. And they managed to raise that 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 um, that bond. Uh, I was away in Toronto at that time and I couldn't, I, I felt helpless. I couldn't do anything from out there. And I think that was a particular low point for me because I couldn't be there just a lot of help or do anything I could to make sure that the club, the club was still a going concern. Um, matches... Uh, I can remember losing, uh, losing to home to Telford, the Braintree we've lost to, you know, towns that you didn't even think had football clubs. We've managed to lose to them. Um, there was a dark period when when Dean Saunders was in charge, and he was just getting in so many sort of players. He was like he was playing Championship Manager in two thousand and two, two thousand and three. Just like loads of players that you'd never heard of came in, and some you had heard of, and. You thought, oh, they'll be good, and they weren't good. Like Patrick Sufo, do you remember him? A smoking Cameroonian that played a couple of games for Sheffield United. He was terrible. I think he got sent off for headbutting someone on 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 the centre circle. Just just stuff you can't you can't really make up. Um, but you know it happened. But it all adds to the rich tapestry, and all that sort of bad luck has been cancelled out by the good luck we've had in the last last two years. And best moments, I think, I think for me, it's Foster's penalty save in the last minute. Just everything that was on that game, how well we played, how how that got, that sort of chance came about, um, and you know, you you, you get in an ex England international out of retirement, you wonder how good he's going to be and how much he's up for it. And then you get such a fantastic save like that, which is a key part of the season and is why it's allowed us to win win the league with a week to spare. Because, you know, County getting a point from that game, they'd still be on a hot on our heels now. But that sort of broke them a little bit and it gave us a clear path to what we needed to do. 
And because it's quite a winning team at the moment, we were able to go and get the job done. So I think that that moment, I, I've never celebrated a save so much. It's just the timing of it as well and how good it was because he sort of saved with one hand and then knocked it up to the other hand and that pushed it away there. He went nuts. We went nuts. The owners went nuts. Perfect, perfect way to to really, really put the put your put your mark on promotion. Okay, well, thanks. It's been it's been a good catch up about Wrexham, and I'll see you probably in a year, Andy, when we're celebrating a a promotion from League Two to League One with Wrexham. Who knows? Is that the expectation? Do you think realistic hand on heart? Do you think next season could be a promotion campaign? I mean, you look at Stockport, who came up last year. Yeah. They've been really good in, in League Two this year. And I actually think the quality difference between League Two and the National League isn't that different. I think there's a lot of teams in the National League who could definitely compete in League Two. Do you think that next season, it you don't want to say it because I know you, you seem like, yes, it's realistic, but do you think, would you be shocked if Wrexham finished with 90 points next year and finished in the top three? I don't think they'll... I don't think any team is going to go through League Two with a massive points haul. I think it's a very, it's a very um, even league, especially towards the top. Um, would I be surprised if Wrexham got promoted? No, because it's a team that's used to winning that probably has, it doesn't need wholesale changes this squad, but I've got a feeling they may bring in another marquee signing and maybe strengthen, sort out the keeper situation once and for all, whether it be Foster or, or someone else. So yeah, he'll make a few changes. He'll add a he'll he'll add a few few bits of quality. Um, but what I would say is we've been in a do or die battle with Notts County, where there has been no margin for error, no margin for error whatsoever. And so in League Two, due to the four promotion places, you cannot actually afford to lose a game, and it's not the end of the world. You can still recover and go on a run, which is what Stockport have done towards the end of the season. And so with that in mind, I. I would tip us to do quite well in, in, in League Two next season because A, we're used to winning and B, if we do lose, it's not the end of the world like it was in non-league. Yeah, and I think as well, if you get 100 plus points in the league below, that suggests you're too good for that league. So you should in theory, I think well, even like the top level, teams who win the championship with high points totals, 100-ish points, yeah. always generally caught and do well in the Premier League. So yeah. Well, I'll see you next year, Andy. Thanks for for coming along and um and sharing sort of the fan perspective, I suppose, on the on the Wrexham story this season. And hopefully, you can enjoy your summer and sign some exciting players, and and hopefully have a, a good season next year. Oh, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I just, just I'm just so relieved we're back in the football league. Just the little things, mate, like the League Cup. We don't have to do a fourth qualifying round of the FA Cup. Uh, we get our youth system money towards that I mean it's just it's this club has just been set up to go and one thing I will say before I go is yeah it's all about Ryan and Reynolds sorry <laughs> Ryan and, and Ryan and Rob but Wrexham Sports Trust who had the club before them managed to clear all the all the debts and you know you got to thank them for taking it over when it's in its darkest point and getting him to a, to a certain stage but then you've also got to thank them for knowing when to sell and you know those guys put us in the position where where Rob and Ryan wanted us and you know it's all it's all led to to this and hopefully more couldn't summarize it in a better way myself 